0: Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. Hello, I'm Shannon Carpenter from Newark, Ohio. I grew up pretty much in Newark and had a good childhood. and started drinking in an early age. liked the feeling. Uh, I got married. I was married for about ten years. I always uh, was looking for something. felt like I was missing something. Um, never, could, I mean, I searched and searched. I uh, fought my uh, addiction for ten more years after I got a divorce. Got to the point where I just didn't want to live anymore. Prayed to God that uh, he'd help me out help me through, uh, because I told him I couldn't do it on my own anymore. And then within about three hours, I got a phone call and was packing up and headed towards the refuge. And I went from not wanting to live anymore to having a reason to be alive. Just grateful to be waking up every morning. And then uh, we were down there for 30 days, and the brotherhood is just so strong down there. The spirit just... uh, Made it easy for me. I had no problem seeing things that I needed to see, and it was just an awesome time down there. You know, to to prepare for my journey that I have now.
1: And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our scripture comes from the Book of Luke, chapter seven, verses eleven through thirty-five. Here's a brief overview of what we're going to be reading about today in Scripture. We'll read about the widow. Her situation was serious she had lost her husband and now her only son had died her last means of support well the crowd of mourners would go home and she would be left penniless and alone the widow was probably past the age of childbearing and would not marry again unless a relative came to her aid her future was bleak she would be an easy prey for swindlers and she would likely be reduced to begging for food in fact As Luke repeatedly emphasizes, this woman was just the kind of person Jesus had come to help, and help her he did. Jesus has great compassion on your pain, and he has the power to bring hope out of any tragedy. This story illustrates salvation. The whole world was dead to sin, just as the widow's son was dead. Being dead, we could do nothing to help ourselves. We couldn't even ask for help. Dead people can't talk. But God had compassion on us, and he sent Jesus to raise us to life with him. The dead man did not earn his second chance at life, and we cannot earn our new life in Christ. But we can accept God's gift of life, praise God for it, and use our lives to do his will. Honoring the dead was important in Jewish tradition. A funeral procession with relatives of the dead person following the body That was wrapped and carried on a kind of a stretcher Would make its way through town And bystanders would be expected to join in the procession In addition, hired mourners would cry aloud And draw attention to the procession While the family's mourning would continue for about 30 days The people thought of Jesus as a prophet Because, like the Old Testament prophets He boldly proclaimed God's message And sometimes raised the dead Both Elijah and Elisha raised children from the dead The people were correct in thinking that Jesus was a prophet, but he is so much more. He was God in person, God himself. Now, John was confused because the reports he received about Jesus that we'll read about here today in scripture were unexpected and incomplete. John's doubts were natural, and Jesus didn't rebuke him for them. Instead, he responded in a way that John would understand. Jesus explained that he had accomplished what the Messiah was supposed to accomplish. See, God can handle our doubts. And he welcomes our questions. Do you have some questions about Jesus? About who he is or what he expects of you? Admit them to yourself and to God and begin looking for answers. Only as you face your doubts honestly can you begin to resolve them. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 26th, the New Testament. Luke chapter 7, Verses 11-35 through Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearers stopped. "'Young man,' he said, "'I tell you, get up.' Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, "'A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today.' And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside." The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. When they heard all this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked? How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends, We played wedding songs, and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs, and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Psalm 68, verses 19 through 35. Here in this psalm that we'll be reading in just a moment, God sets His people free and crushes His enemies. Salvation is freedom from sin and death. Those who refuse to turn to God will be crushed by sin and death. They'll be trapped by the sin they loved and destroyed by the death they feared. How much better it will be for those who love God and fear the consequences of sin. You know, when we consider all God has done for us, We should feel an overwhelming sense of awe as we kneel before the Lord in His sanctuary. Nature surrounds us with countless signs of God's wonderful power. His unlimited power and unspeakable majesty leave us breathless in His presence. How fortunate we are that God cares for us! Psalm 68, verses 19 through 35. Praise the Lord, praise God our Savior. For each day he carries us in his arms, interlude. Our God is a God who saves. The Sovereign Lord rescues us from death. But God will smash the heads of his enemies, crushing the skulls of those who love their guilty ways. The Lord says, I will bring my enemies down from Bashan. I will bring them up from the depths of the sea. You, my people, will wash your feet in their blood, and even your dogs will get their share. Your procession has come into view, O God. The procession of my God and king as he goes into the sanctuary. Singers are in front, musicians behind. Between them are young women playing tambourines. Praise God, all you people of Israel. Praise the Lord, the source of Israel's life. Look, the little tribe of Benjamin leads the way. Then comes a great throng of rulers from Judah, and all the rulers of Zebulun and Naphtali. Summon your might, O God. Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. The kings of the earth are bringing tribute to your temple in Jerusalem. Rebuke these enemy nations, these wild animals lurking in the reeds, this herd of bulls among the weaker calves. Make them bring bars of silver in humble tribute. Scatter the nations that delight in war. Let Egypt come with gifts of precious metals. Let Ethiopia bow in submission to God. Sing to God. You kingdoms of the earth, sing praises to the Lord. Interlude. Sing to the one who rides across the ancient heavens, his mighty voice thundering from the sky. Tell everyone about God's power. His majesty shines down on Israel, his strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Proverbs chapter 11. Verses 29 through 31. Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. The fool will be a servant to the wise. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. If the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to wicked sinners? I'm feeling so
2: small. standing here weeping As I'm coming clean Of the secrets I'm keeping Cause I've caused so much pain To the ones I love the most And I'm falling as I carry my heart
3: Today's scripture reading begins in verse 17 of Exodus, chapter 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out, both yourself and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then... Teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens.
4: People oftentimes develop a desire for something that is not in God's plan for them. When they fail to attain what their heart is set on, the desire can build into intense, unrelenting pressure. Christians who are consumed by covetousness have ceased to depend on God. To reach a goal, some will manipulate circumstances because they've lost faith in the Lord's ability to know what's best and provide it. Such behavior indicates a rejection of God's sovereignty. Then fear becomes an issue as the person chases harder and harder after the object of his desire. The consequences of jealousy are painful. A believer's spiritual sensitivity can be weakened to the point that he no longer hears when God speaks to him. As a Christian distances himself from the Lord, an envious attitude is likely to breed ungratefulness. It's hard to be thankful for the things one has when the focus is on what's lacking. Covetousness leads to a life of tension and worry. Jethro wisely advised his son-in-law Moses to search for assistants who hated ill-gotten gain. These men were more interested in what God provided for them than in what they could acquire for themselves. If we want to be like them, we must focus on God's purpose for our life. When we're sensitive to His voice, He will teach us to distinguish between desires falling within His will and those that lie beyond. Believers have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us resist the lure of wrong desires. Covetousness does not have to be our downfall.
2: Every brick and every stone of the world we made will come undone if I... I call your name, but when I wake need to touch your face cause I
5: Today's Word is Finishing. Uh, Catherine Bennett, who's a director in Memphis, Tennessee, wanted me to talk about it. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about running the race, and he said, I have finished my race. Now that's success, not running it. A lot of people run, a lot of people get started. Did you complete it? What's interesting, he wrote that in about A.D. 63, A.D. 64. That's when Nero was the leader of the Roman Empire. And he, this fat, selfish, undisciplined emperor, decided he wanted to enter into the Olympics. And so he went to Greece, forced himself on the Olympic Committee, got in a chariot race, fell out of the chariot, got back in, never finished the race. But when he was done, because he was the Roman emperor, he made them crown him as the Olympic champion. They put a wreath on his head, and literally, from Greece back to Rome, he had this kind of this entourage, where they all clapped and said, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And everybody knew that Nero was a fake. He didn't finish. And when Paul wrote those words, I have finished the race, Paul knew exactly who he was talking to. He was saying, you may be the Roman emperor, but you're not successful because you didn't complete what you started. Finishing well is very important in life.
2: When confusion's my companion And despair holds me for ransom When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe We believe in God the Father More than anthems Greater than the songs we sing And in our weakness and temptations
0: business network in association with the refuge ministries presents one of the 40 principles of the foundation for achievement
6: john this next principle is the self-government principle of motives and it's based upon proverbs 21 verse 30 no one regardless of how shrewd or well advised he is can stand against the lord
7: uh that's a real really interesting proverb uh, because it talks about shrewdness uh, and how well it advised he may be. But they can't stand against the Lord, which means they can't stand against truth. And uh, the subject that we're going to do this morning is dealing with motives. Why we do the things that we do. Uh, and that becomes what the shrewdness works within that mm-hmm. realm. So it'll be uh, an interesting discussion. This is going to be exciting.
6: There is no substitute for God, nor can we compete against him. He knows what's right, what's best, and what will work. The sooner we accept him as our final authority and begin to structure our lives, businesses, and country after his laws and principles, the better off we'll be. Life is not meant to be difficult. We make it difficult by operating on defiled motives. Boy, that's powerful, John.
7: Uh, That's right. Because uh, we should be living in what you call a transparent world, which means that Everything that we say, everything that we act out and do is genuine and real, but but that's not how life is because the way our minds work is that we can think about something and have an intent of something and do something different to, to deceive people. And so motives is very, very important. Uh, it's important that we try to read or are able to read people. So not just listen to what they say, uh, uh-huh. we have to listen to what the heart is saying, you know, So, in order to get away from that, be caught in that shrewdness.
6: Motive means the reason or motivation or the way we do things. We lie, cheat, and manipulate in order to make a deal, and we call it being shrewd. This does not lead us to the good life, but to moral decay. Webster says shrewd is worldly, wise, clever, or near the truth. So it is important that we always seek for the truth. Manipulating any part of the truth, or being clever or shrewd, will eventually destroy us. That's a law, John. Huh? Oh, that, You're that, setting something true.
7: in motion. That's true, and I, and I see that in the world. You know, I, mean, I, I travel a lot, and and it's just so interesting to to go to different cultures and just see how they're structured and and how they want so bad to be somebody or to do something uh, or to to uh, earn something or you know, and uh, it's just absolutely amazing as to what people will do. Uh, and and you can just see the intents a lot of times in their hearts. You know, they want to be a friend for a reason or they want to get a loan or something like that. But they never tell you what they really want. They act out or they, uh, behind the scene, they're acting something because of what they want. And it's really interesting. It's, it's interesting what Webster said. You know, uh, he said that it's uh, near the truth. <laughs> it mm-hmm. Manipulation. Sure. Sure. Manipulation of the truth. Uh now we can't deny we all have motives, and you know that that's the way the mind works, and, and that's not wrong. We have to have a motive. I have to have a reason. I have to reason to do this through this program. I mean, there's a reason why, but it's not wrong, if you do it from from a transparency and and really do it for the cause of something. But if the right cause is there, then
6: it's okay. Jesus said, There is a broad way that leads to destruction, but also a narrow one that leads to life. Or we could say this the truth will make us free. There you go. He designed life to make us grow. A child needs to eat, to live, and grow. Likewise, our minds and spirits need to learn, they need to eat in order to grow but we have to live on truth, or we will become shrewd. So that word shrewd, you know, a lot of times we brag about that. Oh, he was shrewd, or that's really not a good thing.
7: No, the word shrewd is is uh, is manipulation of truth. Uh-huh. It, it When you say shrewd, sometimes we use the word shrewd well-meaningly, but the real genuine word of shrewd is, is like, yes. watch yourself, he's going to get you. Yes. I, mean, I, mean, uh-huh. I mean, if a person is shrewd, it's like, be careful! That guy will get you yes. one way or the other. He's a shrewd businessman. He's man. a shrewd man, yeah. Wow. And uh, if you get away from that, you know, then the truth will make us free. Which means that if you're shrewd, uh, then you're hiding something, and that deceives us. Then so you got to be careful because I don't. People have called me saying like, "Hey, you're a shrewd businessman." I said, "Don't don't use that word." I know what that word means. I said, "I'm a businessman." But I'm pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. Yes. If a child
6: stops eating, he dies. In the same way, if we quit learning truth, we die spiritually, mentally, and eventually physically. It's like riding a bike. When we stop, we fall. When an apple is green, it is growing, but when it stops growing, it rots. So life is a process.
7: Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's really interesting, you know, if, if we stop, eat, we die. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh-huh. Uh, and the mind is the same way. If, if we don't, uh, participate in things, and if we don't grow in our minds or grow in understanding, growing in knowledge and things like that, then we'll get caught and we'll die. I mean, that, that, that's a process. And you know, in, in talking about shrewdness, uh, it's interesting about shrewdness because you have to practice with your mind. That's what makes you sharp. But you just can't get false motives. That's yes. what we're talking about. But if if it's clear, if it's transparent and uh, coming out, that that's a skill Then it becomes a skill.
6: If we want the good life, we should strive for these three things. Number one, to be morally correct.
7: That's right. that That should be that should be the first thing in any person, any child. You grow up. The number one thing is not education. The number one thing is make sure they understand moral correctness behavior.
6: The second is to understand
7: people and situations. That's right. That means that you have to be able to read people and understand them why they do what they do. And that will help you in life. If you don't, you'll be taken for right all the time.
6: And the third is to grow in the knowledge of God and his laws.
7: The principles he designed for humanity really work. That is critical because if you don't understand how life was designed to be, you can't function in it right, and you will manipulate, and you will be shrewd. you know. Because that, but if you understand how life is, then you say, I can't afford to be shrewd. I can't afford to manipulate. Because life is designed to come out a certain way, mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. So you got to be sure you understand those laws.
6: The good life starts when our motives are pure and we follow good principles, taking responsibility for who and what we are. We are like a product. Our quality and value is based on the principles of which we are made. When we are honest and our motives are pure, we become open and free with no hidden agendas. People will sense the freedom and will not defend themselves against us. They will respect us and will want to do business with us.
7: Yeah, that, you know, uh, it says that we are like a product. And, you know, um, we broadcast like what, what product we are every day. And it would be good sometime if it's what we call reputation is what, what it is. But it'd be good sometime if everybody that looked at you and everybody that dealt with you would be able to put a tag on your back. Huh. Uh, and say what what they think you are, what product you are. Uh, and it would be real revealing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because, yes. because we do broadcast something. We, mm-hmm. we do. We project something, and that's what people see in us. And it'd be interesting to see what people say about you. That becomes your reputation.
6: We cannot trust in our own smarts or shrewdness. If we do, we will be exposed when we get under pressure. Yes, we must be well advised, but we must see truth and God as our best resource and advisor. This will teach us common sense and practical ways that will work in every area of our lives. Sometimes we educate ourselves until we consider ourselves shrewd and wise. Then we start trusting in our own abilities rather than in God's good advice. We become fools without God. We cannot function properly without the truth. It will keep our motives pure. To
7: reject God and his ideas is like cutting off the hand that feeds us. That's pretty much self-explanatory there, but... uh... Those are powerful statements in there that uh, that uh, when we sometimes educate ourselves and we think that we're getting smart and then uh, then sometimes we're even taught in sales meetings and we're taught in training and how to be shrewd, how to manipulate and how to get people mm-hmm. close uh, uh, negative closes and all that thing like just for the sake of a sale, that's not honest saying like if a product is not worthy, to have, and the person doesn't need it, then then you have to be careful, or you're you're deceiving people. So so, uh, but you, it it all comes down to truth and being a genuine, real person. Uh, but but it's it's a it's an interesting thing.
6: Today, the United States has more attorneys per capita than any other country in the world. We have more lawsuits than the rest of the world combined. We write thousands of laws to interpret the Ten Commandments. We try to outwit each other. By our shrewdness, trying to get ahead by some million-dollar lawsuit, we have forgotten the simplicity of "do unto others as you would have them do unto you."
7: That's right. See, a society could be uh, uh, could be a very simple society if everybody was honest. If everybody was wholesome, you know, and, and, uh, and honest, you could eliminate a lot of that. Because right now we have the Ten Commandments, which I agree you need more than just the Ten Commandments. You need to have a good interpretation of that, but. The thing is this, that, that lawyers sometimes, uh, and I'm not against lawyers. I, I need them and everybody does. But what happens is that it's a game anymore. It's like they argue about the word is and they try to get a yes. case and, and they, they, they sue and encourage people to sue each other. It's, it's a rad race out there and, and that, that that's destructive. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's not a way to build a society. Got to be careful with that.
6: Let's not kid ourselves. God knows all about our doings, and sooner or later He will set the record straight in spite of how shrewd or well-advised we think we are. It is important to be well-advised, but let's make sure our motives are pure and use God's good advice as part of our dealings. This makes us a good decision-maker. Let's be wise and listen to what God has to say.
7: Then we will not be known for being smart or shrewd, but for being wise. That's right. There's a whole different story about being wise and, and being shrewd or smart. Uh, knowledge has a tendency of making you smart, and, uh, and then the training has a tendency of making you shrewd, uh, but wise is looking into all of that and saying, like, hey, what's right and what's wrong and making decisions based upon that. But it's a powerful, powerful thing, motive. We have to examine it ourselves all the time.
6: Principle of motives. No one, regardless of how shrewd or well advised he is, can stand against the Lord. John, give us some closing thoughts.
7: Well, it deals with motives, you know. Uh, the principle of motives as to how we act and react and why we act the way we do. And I've discovered uh, that a lot of times it's better to be a genuine, real person rather than to try to manipulate and uh, trying to be shrewd. Sometimes people get the things mixed up to what shrewdness is versus wisdom. But uh, stick with the truth. It saves you a lot of problems. Explain yourself if you don't think you're understood. And uh, if you don't understand, ask questions and be clear. Don't assume things. Just discuss things until you're clear. And then you'll avoid a lot of that manipulation and that shrewdness, and you'll be known for your wise
0: that does it for today's podcast. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.